Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with his saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Well, hello, Northminster. This is not what I plan to be doing for this Sunday. In fact, I wasn't supposed to be here. I was supposed to be on a trip out west to the Pacific Northwest to be with some of my best friends and my teacher and my mentor. It's one of my favorite times of the year, and I look forward to that trip. Um, it's very valuable to my soul. But as things were progressing with the coronavirus, and being that I would have to fly to Seattle, I consulted with my family and with some of our elders and decided not to make that trip. A lot of us are finding our plans messed up and our wants pushed aside right now. But if we can, as a country, slow down the spread of this virus and save lives, then I believe we need to come together and do what we can. I've been thinking about 1 Corinthians, when Paul is writing to the Christians there who are dealing with the idea of eating meat offered to idols. In the ancient world, when you would sacrifice to idols, that meat would be the, the meat of the restaurant of those days. So yesterday's sacrifices were today's meals. And a question came up, what do we do as Christians about going to eat meat sacrificed to idols? Uh, if we are eating that meat, does that mean we are accepting the sacrifice to Zeus, for example? And Paul lays out his argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 to say, No, we know that they're not real idols, they're not real gods, and so you can eat from those. But then he says that you shouldn't eat that meat if it might cause a weaker brother or a weaker sister to stumble. If somebody would see you eating that meat and then fall behind or lapse, then, or stumble because they saw you eating meat, then you should refrain for the sake of your weaker brother. That's kind of my plan and my thinking as I've been looking at this whole coronavirus thing. That for the sake of those who are weaker, not only physically weaker or more susceptible to the virus, but also those who are weaker in terms of anxiety, um, higher anxiety, higher risk, doesn't matter for those uh, I'm going to be extra careful, and I think we all need to. And, and sometimes loving your neighbor really involves doing no harm to your neighbor. The whole situation is scary. What may be even more scary is the public response to the situation. I've heard a number of stories of flippant disregard for others and, others, and, and stories as well of absolute terror at the way people are treating each other. 
Both responses, you understand, are rooted in fear. On the one hand, being careless and flippant and writing this off as not a big deal is to pretend that it's not a big deal to avoid fear. On the other hand, people who are coming to fisticuffs at Costco over toilet paper reflect that they are succumbing to fear. By the way, the whole toilet paper craze fascinates me. Uh, I heard comic and, and uh, host of The Daily Show, Trevor Noah, talking about this, but uh, it's just crazy how people, you can't buy toilet paper anywhere. I looked it up. Did you know toilet paper was invented in 1857? What did people before toilet paper do? Why do we think it's so crazy? And do you know that around the world, probably a third of the world has never had toilet paper? We are going to survive. And if you need a pallet of toilet paper to survive the next three or four weeks, then I am not sure coronavirus is the highest thing on your medical concern. It's fear. It's panic. And I, I, I could try to critique that fear, but to be honest, I felt it today. I had a grocery pickup scheduled at Walmart. My wife and I had done a lot of work to, to make this list of groceries, not out of fear of coronavirus, but just because it was payday and it was time to stock the shelves. And about an hour and a half before I was supposed to go pick up that uh, grocery pickup, uh, I got a message that said that Walmart was unable to complete the order. And I panicked. I thought, what is going on at Walmart that they can't get me my stuff? And now I'm behind all these people that are trying to buy toilet paper and bread and all this stuff. So I didn't go to Walmart. I went to Giant Eagle. And to be honest, I probably bought more than I should have because I was anxious. I bought a lot of uh, uh, extra bread, a couple loaves of extra bread and some pasta and and then to calm myself, I bought uh, a box of ding-dongs because chocolate is my main coping mechanism. So it, it, it's easy to say not to be afraid, but I, I'm really feeling it today that it's even harder to live it. I'm not critiquing the fear as someone who has not been afraid. In fact, I worry about this situation and I worry about a lot more than that. I, I think a lot of us do. We've been worried about our country, about this upcoming election, about the world that my children and your grandchildren are growing up in. Fear is running rampant in our country and in our world, and it was doing that before anybody had ever heard of coronavirus. And I don't think that's how it should be as Christians. We are people of faith, not people of fear. 1 John 4, 18 and 19 says, Therefore, uh, or, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, but whoever fears, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Or here, Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So the Bible says, that God loves us, and because of God's love, we should have to cast out fear. Fear should be kicked out by the love that's in our life. And if the Lord is the Lord, then who should we be afraid of? Here's the Bible's view of fear. Remember whose you are, because whose you are determines who you are. 
If you belong to the Lord, then you are precious and you are cared for by him. That is who you are now. So fear is not in charge. Fear does not rule in our hearts. Jesus does. So we need to be safe. We need to take care of our families. We need to wash our hands. I'm kind of grossed out by the number of people that I'm finding out don't wash their hands. But the panic, the fear, may be more dangerous to life and to the economy than this virus. And this entire situation is exposing a deep-rooted sense of fear and insecurity in our culture. And our world needs us, as Christ followers, to rise above fear. We are to be salt, and we are to be light to others. And this is a chance for the world to see us as Christians live differently. It could be that a big part of our saltiness in the coming weeks will be the courage and our boldness as we care for our neighbors. Who around you will be starting to run out of essentials like bread, milk, or even toilet paper? Who is going to get lonely in your neighborhood, in your circles? Who could use a phone call or a text message? I think we need to be leaders in loving our neighbor in the coming weeks. What family, friends, co-workers, church members, and even actual neighbors could you reach out to in this time? And who can you be praying for? I believe in the power of prayer. I believe God listens to the prayers of His people. And it is not a cop-out to just say, I'm going to pray for someone, particularly if you're at risk and you need to stay home. One of the great ministries we can have is prayer. It's vital to the future of the church. It's vital to our lives. So if you can't go out or if you don't feel comfortable going out, pray for those around you. And here's some things to pray about. Pray for those who are sick and losing their lives. Pray for those who are at greater risk because of age, respiratory problems, and immune disorders. Pray for healthcare providers who work tirelessly and risk their own health in this time. Pray for businesses that are losing money and may not be able to handle it in the long run. Pray for government leaders as they make decisions and policies to aid in this situation. Pray for those, pray for those crippled with fear in this time that they will find hope and peace. Pray for people who will not get paid or not get the tips that they live on for the next few weeks. Pray for kids that are now not going to go to school, they're going to stay at home alone and miss out on what is sometimes the only food they get during the day. Pray for people with anxiety and depression who are more likely to feel those feelings and feel them more deeply in this time of fear and of isolation and are at greater risk of suicide. Pray for addicts who are likely to turn back to their addictions in the anxiety and loneliness of this time. This is a chance for the church to engage and to develop the gift and the power of prayer. And as our lives are changed, and a number of us may be working from home or not being able to work in the next few weeks, there's actually an opportunity there to stop going and going and going and instead simply be to Sabbath, to try to read, to rest, to pray. As the world has to kind of halt and, and move to a pause over the next few weeks, lean into the pause. 
Let go of the busyness of life. Unplug from social media, from the news. Get outside. Smell spring. Let your soul come back to life again. Seize the opportunity in this chaos. And, and at the heart of all of this is the one big question that we always have to ask, but particularly in these kinds of times. Where does your hope come from? Where does your real hope come from? To be able to rest, to be able to stay calm in troubling times, to be able to answer uh, the call of your neighbors even when it's sometimes dangerous. You've got to be secure in knowing where does my hope come from. And I love what the psalmist writes. He says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Chariots and horses were a huge advantage in battle. They were the tanks of the day. If you had chariots... The, the most chariots often won battles. You could trust in your chariots when you went to battle. But the psalmist says, that's not our way. Our way isn't to trust in the chariots, in the horses, in the strength. Our way is to trust in the name of the Lord our God. The name of the Lord our God just doesn't mean God or Jesus or Spirit. No, the name is the character, the person who he is. And in Jesus, we know the name of God. We know it is God's nature to enter suffering. It is God's name to love. It is God's nature to suffer for us rather than punish us. It is God's name to rise again and bring resurrection from the dead. It is God's nature to bring faith and hope and peace, even peace that passes understanding. A peace that doesn't make sense in the moment. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in tanks, and some in guns, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in bank accounts, and some trust in stock portfolios, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Trump, some trust in politicians, and some in political parties, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in news stations, and some in isolation, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And some trust in hand sanitizer, and some trust in toilet paper, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Let us pray. Father, I lift up before you this entire situation. I pray that we are overreacting and that the situation dies down. Guide us with wisdom as we walk in uncertain days. I lift up those who are already sick and dying. Bring healing and bring treatment. I pray for those who are at risk that they would be protected and safe. I offer you those who are paralyzed with fear that your peace would rule in their hearts. I pray for those who are flippant or foolish and put others at risk, that you would save them from themselves and save others from them. I pray for medical professionals, for nurses, doctors, and staff. Give them wisdom and courage and protection. Guide government officials and senior leaders in our communities as they respond. 
Jesus, I lift up every person watching or listening to this sermon and all those in our church and our community. Lead us to green pastures of rest even as we are near a dark valley. Give us peace that passes understanding and hope that passes on to those around us. May we have the courage to love our neighbors in this time. Spirit, I pray for the world. Tend to the businesses that struggle in this time, and especially bless those who make great sacrifices for others, even though it hurts the bottom line. Protect vulnerable families and hungry children, and lead us to help where we can. Remind us that our hope comes from you, dear Lord. Be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as you go about your week, be safe. Wash your hands. Love your neighbor. And remember where your hope comes from. Amen.